You've just heard the beginning of a piece called Winged Creatures by composer Michael Abels, a work commissioned by Sadie Records for Damari and Anthony McGill, flute and clarinet respectively, and the Chicago Youth Symphony Orchestra, which you heard there conducted by Alan Tinkham. It's for a new album titled Winged Creatures and other works for flute, clarinet, and orchestra. Our May release, May 2019, on Sadie Records, and as those of you who've listened before know, every time we have a new release on Sadie Records, we have a new Classical Chicago podcast. And I'm so delighted that my guest on this podcast is clarinet soloist on the album, Anthony McGill. Welcome, Anthony. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Well, let's get right to a little bit of history here. You and, of course, your brother are principal players in major American orchestras. You are principal clarinet of the New York Philharmonic. Damare, your older brother, by four years, is principal flute in the Seattle Symphony. And, of course, you both were born and raised on Chicago's south side. What role did your family life play in your success as musicians? Yeah, we had a really great childhood. My brother and I were lucky enough to grow up with wonderful parents on the south side of Chicago who were both supremely artistic people, and they taught us the pathway to success, which is just to do what you love and do it really well. So they were able to dictate to us the best pathway to achieve our dreams in a way that growing up we took for granted probably, but it just became a part of who we were, and that artistic bent Uh, showed up in our music making and I think showed up first in my brother's drive and my brother's passionate feelings about music in general and then I just absorbed all of that so they articulated this vision to us very early on of what we could do with our lives if we dreamt for the highest points and highest goals so we were very lucky to have that and I should note here that you and your brother are among the few African-Americans to hold principal positions in a major American orchestra. Now, you mentioned education. What role did institutions like the Chicago Youth Symphony Orchestras and maybe also the Merritt School of Music play in your development and ultimate success? Well, these were huge institutions that really helped guide us along a pathway to success in music. They gave us foundations that you need. One needs to have guidance, one needs to have instruction, to have role models, and to have opportunity. And these institutions, Chicago Youth Symphony and the Merit Program, really gave us that defined pathway and those defined resources that helped us play an orchestra, get experience, learning about music, all things music, but also gave us a base to call home, to hone our craft with other players around the city. So these places became our family, our musical family, and we were embraced in these organizations in a way that meant a lot for us and gave us the opportunity to succeed and to really strive and do our best. The things that my parents laid out for us, these organizations allowed us to flourish. And on an even more basic level, how did you and your brother end up choosing your respective instruments? Well, my mom bought my father a flute back in the 60s or something when they were getting together and jamming and having musical parties. But that flute ended up in the closet. And we had played a little piano, but we didn't have a piano at home. 
So my brother was going to pick an instrument and somebody suggested, wow, you know, maybe he found the flute in the closet. And that's how it all started with him. And I grew up with my brother playing music and that being a part of his life for at least a few years. I heard him practicing all the time. So I wanted to play the saxophone. That was going to be my instrument when I went into school and there were all these instruments were laid out on the table and and I picked the thing up and it was like bigger than me so <laughs> the teacher at the time at the school I was at suggested that I play the clarinet so I picked that up I was like oh yeah that's a much better size so we rented a clarinet from a local music shop and that was the end of that I never really touched the saxophone after that great stories. Let's get to the first work on the album, which was actually the last work that we programmed. We decided to commission a piece to make it a full length or about an hour program after the other works were chosen. And the composer, Michael Abels, actually his music has appeared on other Sadie albums. He's also right now getting to be known for his film music. He wrote the music for the blockbuster of two summers ago, Get Out and for the new movie, Us, both by Jordan Peele, and decided to come up with this theme of flying creatures for his piece. What was your and Damari's initial reaction when you received the score from Abel's? It was just really exciting. It's always exciting to get a new score. And what's funny about it is that you never know what it's going to be like in real time. But just that feeling of excitement over the project and the excitement over actually seeing the music for the first time is really great. There's a lot of excitement and nervous energy surrounding that. But also to get the chance to work with a composer on this kind of project is really, really great. And so when we finally got it, you just work on it. You try to figure out exactly where everything lies on the instrument. And it looked fun. It looked exciting. And we had some electronic mock-ups. But it's not until you get into the room and you hear the sound of the full orchestra that you really understand how great the piece is. And lucky enough, I think the piece is super successful. We performed it right away with the orchestra before recording it. It really is awesome. You can use your imagination and see different images throughout the piece. It's very visual music in a way where you can feel and see and hear everything going on that you feel like you're traveling through time and through space through the sky in this piece and he shapes it beautifully with beautiful harmonies and also he uses the instruments really well together they bounce off of each other really nicely so you do feel like you're flying you're flittering around you do feel like a winged creature when playing this piece because it's also very virtuosic too so it has a lot of hard spots in it. So technically it's difficult, but I think it's really beautiful to listen to. And Michael actually wrote a program note that's in our album booklet, which is pretty short. So I think I'd like to read that now to put people in the right frame of mind, especially because I really love the way he ends the note. So he writes, it was a huge treat to create a work for Anthony and Damari McGill. I wanted to write something that showcased their phenomenal abilities that had the two parts interacting intricately, sharing melodic fragments cooperatively, but also sometimes competing. The music that came to me reminded me of the flight of a butterfly, exciting, graceful, but also uneven and frenetic. This got me to thinking about the different styles of flight among creatures of the air. Some soar, some fly with speed and purpose, some seem random and erratic. So as the piece developed, I tried to depict these contrasts 
so that the solo parts are, it turns, delicate, frenetic, soaring, and powerful. Besides this programmatic writing, the piece also contains a musical acknowledgement that the soloists are alumni of the orchestra accompanying them. The soloist's melody from the exposition is played by the orchestral winds in the recapitulation while the solo parts soar above them. Perhaps one of today's orchestra members is tomorrow's soloist. I really like that. And of course, that is Joran Tamari's history, right? Oh, yeah. It's really great. He brings that back. And he does a really great job of combining those colors and that kind of competition and yet team play between the soloists and the orchestra. It really is, as they say, like a homecoming to be able to play and record these pieces with the Chicago Youth Symphony. Well, we started the podcast with the beginning of the piece. Let's pick it up from there. Here is an additional excerpt from Winged Creatures, new composition by Michael Abels, commissioned by Sadie Records for Anthony and Damari McGill and the Chicago Youth Symphony Orchestra for this album. So enjoy. We just heard an excerpt from Winged Creatures, a new piece by Michael Abels, written specially for this project, Winged Creatures, and other works for Flute Clarinet and Orchestra on Sadie Records with 
soloists Damari McGill, flute, and Anthony McGill, clarinet, and the Chicago Youth Symphony Orchestra, conducted by Alan Tinkham. And our guest on this podcast is clarinetist Anthony McGill. I should note that this piece was premiered in June 2018 at the League of American Orchestras Conference in Chicago in Orchestra Hall right before a concert of the whole album program and recording sessions at the Studebaker Theater in downtown Chicago. What was it like to premiere this piece in Chicago's most famous concert hall? Yeah, it was really great to perform it there at the conference at the Orchestra Hall especially growing up as a kid on the south side and going downtown just a few blocks away from this historic, legendary building. And Concert Hall is its always actually pretty nerve-wracking, to be honest with you, because we grew up and I was probably playing downtown and having lessons when I was like 9, 10, 11 years old, 12 years old, and going to see the orchestra for the first time around that same age. Your role models are playing you know, at a professional level, and then all of a sudden to be on that stage with your old orchestra soloing in front of it, it's almost like it's not happening. You're going to have a little bit of an out-of-body experience. And then you have to realize, oh, wait a second, I'm a lot older. <laughs> I've done a lot of different things, and I'm just performing music, and it's still the same. So it's changed so much because time has gone by and all these things have happened, but you're still the same kid that just loves music And so to get the opportunity to stand up there with those students and in front of friends and family in that hall is pretty amazing. And it's fantastic that we got to do it there. And I think it actually means a lot for the students, too, when we come back and do this kind of work with them and get a chance to do this. It's especially exciting because recording is a really new thing for lots of these students in the orchestra. It's like a professional orchestra, and they sound amazing. It was really enjoyable. I've worked with, obviously, and recorded a lot of professional orchestras, and you would not know that it wasn't a professional orchestra from listening, which is a real tribute to the dedication of these student performers, because these were some pretty grueling sessions, I should mention. What, we had about two eight-hour days, I think, to record this? So, And I wanted to ask, what was it like working with the orchestra and conductor Alan Tinkham? It was really, really great, really intense, as you mentioned, to do this over a couple days because of all of our schedules were so difficult to find a way. But the level of focus and intensity that the students had the entire time is mind-blowing. If you've never recorded anything before, you don't know. It's really taxing. You have to fix things constantly. You have to also play freely and musically. And so to combine all of those things over a few days on a weekend, it's because you want to be there. And then the level of pressure to actually do it at a really high level is pretty intense. So it was inspiring to us to be there with all these students. And we were learning things about the process. And while they were learning things about the process and trying to record these particular pieces, too, they have every piece has its own difficulty and Every piece has its own challenges. So it was really inspiring to see and to be there with everybody. Well, speaking of process, I mentioned earlier that the first work on the album was actually the last one to be programmed, the Abel's last one to be written as well. What was the process of choosing the rest of the repertoire and the concept for the album? I think it was just about bringing family together, bringing our roots in Chicago together, 
with CD Records and everybody kind of like being a family. It was everybody coming home together to do this project. So a few of the pieces my brother and I have known for many years. The flute and clarinet and orchestra repertoire is not huge. So some of the major works for it, we've been playing since we were teenagers and we used to perform with some of the smaller orchestras and we even performed with some bigger orchestras, actually, these pieces. The Danzi duo, Contratant, and the Saint-Saëns Tarantella were both standards of the repertoire. So that ties in with actually our work with composers that are live and doing awesome work today. The Joel Puckett was brought along and also commissioned for us to play with Chicago Youth Symphony just a little while ago. So to bring that onto the album as well is basically a brand new piece, to be honest with you. And we'd played it with the orchestra before, different players, a couple years later. But it really feels like we have two world premieres on this thing. In a way, it's, it's so special to be able to work with composers that are here doing their thing, the super successful composers, I might add, as well as some old classics that have been done before. So I think it's a really special combination of different things. I'm glad you mentioned world premieres. Of course, The Abel's being written for this project is a world premiere on record on this album. And as you mentioned, the repertory for flute, clarinet, and orchestra is not exactly huge to the extent that there is a full-length duo concerto for these instruments. That is something of a repertory piece. I think the Danzi would be it. Can you talk a little bit about the piece and your experience with it? Yeah, the Danzi is a really great piece. It's very classical in a way, but also very exciting and very beautiful. Every movement is kind of virtuosic has lots of different difficulties for the instruments and for the orchestra. It has a lot of rhythmic vitality, a lot of singing qualities, and a lot of conversation between the flute and the clarinet. Any kind of duo contrastante like that has this conversation back and forth between the two instruments, and I think he does it really well between the flute and clarinet because they blend really well together, but they also have very distinct tone qualities. And the second movement is like a gorgeous aria, duo, aria between the two instruments. The last movement shows off all of the technical wizardry of the instruments. So you have a lot of scales, a lot of arpeggios, a lot of notes (laughs) for everybody involved. And it's just kind of a fun piece. Besides the slow movement that gets kind of serious and pretty deep and meaningful, It's a lighthearted, wonderful masterwork for this combination. I hope everyone enjoys it. I think it's going to be one of the, like you mentioned earlier, with this not even being able to tell it's an orchestra full of young students, the orchestra sounds really professional. And I think it's going to be one of the greater recordings of the piece out there that you can find. In fact, I'm glad you mentioned about it being a classical piece, even though it's written in the 19th century It is, as Catherine Bakasmat puts in the program notes, a tour de force of classical charm that I think should definitely be heard more often. I'm wondering, is Dancy a composer who's perhaps better known to win players than to the general classical music listening public? Yeah, I think Dancy for sure is one of these composers that win players know, maybe a few others, but I think you're right. I think it's a great piece. I think it should be performed more often. It's one of those pieces that people hear and they're like, oh, I've never really heard Danzi and never heard wind players in front of an orchestra soloing. And that's what makes it exciting. And I think people are going to love it. 
And you talked a bit more about the other movements. The third movement is a rondo, which is a typical finale to a classical period concerto. But it's actually titled Polonaise and involves some tricky rhythms for the string players. In fact, my experience of the sessions were these were perhaps the most difficult thing for the orchestra on the entire album, partly because it's classical writing, so it's very exposed. And I remember you and Damare helping the conductor teach the CYSO players how to approach these passages in other difficult spots. Can you talk a little bit about how that worked? I think as we got pretty deep into the sessions and we all get tired, like we have to keep up the energy. So a lot of the talk was about musically, like what are we trying to do here? Everybody involved in a recording session can get very technical in what they're doing in the instrument. And we always have to come back to how musical we can play. And the style is really important with some of these. So if I remember correctly, there was a lot of singing involved, some dancing, encouragement, talking about what kind of energy, what kind of style we're looking for in the different passages, and trying to help place the rhythms in a way that everyone could understand how to play them together. Ensemble is always the hardest thing in these recording sessions because you can hear everything. And it's easy for us to play solo and then solo and then I do it and he does. But then to have 10 violins play a rhythm together in the same way, we have to find ways of thinking about the rhythm that maybe makes it easier for everyone to come together or to breathe together with the music. So. Those are the kind of discussions we were having to encourage just the highest level of music making. Well, and I have to say, from my perspective as producer, it was really wonderful to watch that back and forth. And I think this was such a great learning experience for the students. As you mentioned, this is a very lighthearted piece, especially, I think, this Rondo Polonaise at the end. So let's hear an excerpt of that right now. This is from the third movement, titled Polonaise, from Franz Nancy's Symphonia Concertante for Flute, Clarinet, and Orchestra, Opus 41 performed by Damari McGill Flute, Anthony McGill Clarinet, and the Chicago Youth Symphony Orchestra, conducted by Alan Tinkham. just heard an excerpt from the 
Symphonia Concertant for Flute, Clarinet, and Orchestra, Opus 41, Third Movement, the Polonaise Movement, which is really a rondo, as performed by clarinetist Anthony McGill, flutist Damari McGill Brothers, and the Chicago Youth Symphony Orchestra, conducted by Alan Tinkham from the new Sadie Records album, Winged Creatures, and other works for flute, clarinet, and orchestra, which you can find on the Sadie Records website, C-E-D-I-L-L-E records.org and anywhere else albums are sold, downloaded, or streamed. So uh, here with Anthony McGill, and Anthony, this is not your or Damare's first recording for Sadie Records. Can you talk a little about your history with the label and how it led to this project? Oh, yeah. We've been really lucky to have worked with Sadie for a couple projects, and my first opportunity to work with the company was to record the Brahms and Mozart clarinet quintets with the Pacifica Quartet, and that was amazing. These pieces, although they've been performed and recorded many times, I never thought I would actually be able to record them anytime soon. And just to get that chance to do these pieces with a group that I absolutely love was amazing. And I hear this recording played all over the place now, and I think it's an amazing piece, and it's also amazing to get to do this kind of repertoire with a Chicago-based company that City is. So that was my first experience, and it was a great one. The recording sessions were intense, but I think the product speaks for itself. And the next project, which was awesome, I think this was probably Jim's idea, was to do this recording with my brother of a trio The trio album with Michael McHale and my brother came out in 2017, and this was really great. It had new stuff, it had old stuff on it, and it it was really exciting to do this project. And it's a a great company to work for and to work with and to partner again on my third project with the company is really amazing. And it always feels like coming back home. It always feels like coming back to family, to Chicago, to my roots. And we feel very lucky to be able to do these kind of projects because lots of performers don't get the opportunity to record at such a high level with such a reputable outfit, if you will, like Sadie is. And then to get the chance to work in a professional way in the great venues with great players and great people, it's a real gift. So it's been a real journey because I think every album has been special and yet very different. So this is a relationship that's very important and dear to me and my brother. I'll just interject a couple of notes. The Pacifica Quartet is an ensemble that's been recording on Sadie Records for 20 years now. It actually began their recording life with Sadie. They've recorded for other labels as well. And that first project, the Mozart and Brahms Quintets, came about simply because I got a chance to hear you, Anthony, perform with the Pacifica Quartet. I believe it was on a Music in the Loft concert. You played the Mozart, and I was just absolutely floored, and I said, okay, when are we recording this? So that's how that one happened. And when that came out, everybody was so pleased with the results. I think at the time, board chair, uh, Henry Fogel, charter member of Sadie Records' board, a former president of the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, said, okay, Jim, when are you going to record Anthony and Damari together? (laughs) (laughs) So it was just a question of finding the right project, and uh, when you formed that trio with uh, Michael McHale that just all came together. And I think it was around that time that we were planning that album that we said, hey, well, maybe we could do something 
the two of you as soloists with orchestra and and of course the idea of coming back to the Chicago Youth Symphony made just such great sense so but now that you've mentioned all your albums on CD this is a good time to mention that you can find Anthony and Damari McGill's albums and a lot of other wonderful Chicago artists albums on the CD Records website c-e-d-i-l-l-e-records.org and you can find our recordings everywhere albums are sold and downloaded and streamed, you name it, we're there. Uh, now, speaking of history, you and your brother have a special history with the next piece on the album, Camille Saint-Saëns' early Tarantelle, Opus 6. Would it be fair to call this something of a signature piece for the two of you? Yeah, I think the Saint-Saëns, it would be fair to call that a signature piece. We've done it plenty, and we've gotten to perform it in some pretty special places. And of course, the piece exists not only in this version, what we have on the album here for orchestra, but Sasson also did a version with piano accompaniment. And of course, you're particularly noted for performing this piece as teenagers on the Mr. Rogers Neighborhood Show. That clip can still be found on YouTube today. What was the experience like for you as a 14-year-old doing Mr. Rogers with your brother? Yeah, that was uh, crazy. I think my brother was already at the Curtis Institute in Philadelphia studying, and he had a friend who was also a friend of Fred Rogers and had appeared on the show, and they invited my brother and I to appear on the show with him. And it was awesome because there's a little element of acting in the show because the week was about uniforms that people wear for, not just for concerts, but for their professions. And so we were the classical musicians so we had to talk and like talk to him about why we were wearing tuxes and bow ties and stuff and then we performed the tarantella and if you look at the video you'll see i look pretty scared i look like a little boy who's really scared to be playing for um tv (laughs) so especially on the show that i grew up watching you know a lot i think it's really nice and we perform the entire tarantella And we talked to him after, and he talked about our emotions when we play and how we communicate through our instruments. And it's just a nice thing. And it's basically one of my biggest claims to fame, to be honest with you. When I tell people (laughs) I was on Mr. Rogers, they literally can't believe it. So that we got to do that piece is really cool. And that we get to bring it back and do it, you know, quite a few years later. (laughs) So there's a, I wouldn't say a better version, but, you know, I grew a lot in those years Well, not physically, but (laughs) musically, I think. But this piece has been with us for a really long time. Well, since you mentioned claims to fame, I have to ask if that maybe was eclipsed in uh, 2009 when you got to perform at the inauguration of Barack Obama alongside Itzhak Perlman, Yo-Yo Ma, and Gabriela Montero. Yeah, I think that's probably, (laughs) that's definitely up there. So (laughs) the inauguration and Mr. Rogers... And I'm set. I think uh, <laughs> I'm not going to pack up my clarinet, but, you know, it was a good go at it. Well, you mentioned it's a fun piece. My experience the session was people seem to really enjoy playing this. So what makes the piece so fun to play? You know, it's typical saint It's mysterious. It's thrilling. It's sometimes fast, sometimes lyrical. It's picturesque. But you have an image of it. It just really moves. It dances. And it's hard, so it it sounds really difficult. It is difficult and challenging, but it's also exciting to listen to. It has a lot of different colors and a lot of different textures, 
really hard piece, I think, for the orchestra and the soloists. But it's a real work that stands on its own as being a thrilling piece. Like I said, it has so much exciting energy, kind of a weird quality, too. I think it's all the trilling and all of the articulation and the fast triplets throughout the whole thing that make it really spill over at the end. And it's just a virtuosic display for the orchestra as well. Well, you mentioned the dance element, and of course a tarantella is Southern Italian dance, although Sasson, of course, uses the French version of the word tarantelle. Let's hear now an excerpt from this. This is the tarantelle early work, opus six of Camille Sasson. Once again, our soloists are Damari and Anthony McGill, flute and clarinet, with the Chicago Youth Symphony Orchestra, conducted by Alan Tinkham. just heard an excerpt from Camille Saint-Saëns' Tarantelle, an early work performed by Anthony McGill clarinet, Damari McGill flute, and the Chicago Youth Symphony Orchestra on their new album of works for that instrumentation on CD Records. And the album begins with a work that CD Records commissioned for these performers, and it ends with another work that was commissioned specially for Anthony Damari and the CYSO, but this time it was a piece that the Youth Symphony itself commissioned. It's a 2012 piece commissioned from the symphony's composer in residence at the time, Joel Puckett. How did the chance for you two to perform with the orchestra seven years ago now in 2012 come about? I think if my memory serves me 
Right. I met Joel and knew Joel from the Peabody Institute, Peabody Conservatory in Baltimore, where I was on faculty for many years. Not anymore. But Joel was one of the great young composers of today. So we had a bit of a relationship there at the institution. And working with the Chicago Youth Symphony, it just kind of all fell together that this would be great for him to do a project with us and for us to come back to Chicago. He was old friends with the music director at the time as well. And so we all came together and got to do this piece and kind of have a homecoming world premiere performance with the orchestra then. And so it's really nice to revisit this piece because it's an amazing work. It's very touching. It's very fun. It has all of these qualities. It's great. Joel is a great friend and also doing really amazing things and new work and being like just out there just writing for everyone. It's awesome to see these composers doing such great work and allowing us to be a part of their success and writing these new works for us. I mean, who's writing a flute and clarinet concerto nowadays? And so to have these successful, great composers that are out there doing amazing projects, like contributing to the repertoire of flute clarinet with orchestra and then coming home to Chicago, bringing it all together, is pretty awesome. I think people are going to love this piece by Joel. We sure did uh, years ago. It set for a while. We performed it. And to come back to a piece after a couple years and then to discover the tough parts, to discover the beauty of it and the excitement and to revisit it musically, artistically, is pretty wonderful. Well, since you mentioned composers doing amazing things, I should note that Joel Puckett just hit an opera premiered by the Minnesota Opera that Chicagoans will appreciate. The opera is titled The Fix, and it's actually based on the 1919 Black Sox scandal. Joel supplies his own program note to the booklet to this album, which begins, As I began work on this concerto for the brilliant brothers Anthony and Damari McGill, my thoughts turned to family and childhood, to shared experiences and the joy of sibling camaraderie. Although the entire piece is dedicated to the brothers, the individual movements take their inspiration from, and their dedications are given to three very special toddlers. Anthony, is this emphasis on family relations reflected at all in your and Damari's approach to the piece? Yes, I think it is. Our approach to music making in general, of course, is very familiar and familial because we grew up playing together and we grew up uh, interacting with, with each other musically as well as brothers But Joel also talked to us a little bit about the piece and about his dedications in particular. And that does color your interpretation. That colors the way you attach to a piece emotionally when you're playing it. So you communicate it and feel the music in a special way, maybe in a way that can communicate some of what the composer is feeling as well about his dedications. And you can hear it in the music. It doesn't actually have to be created by the performer necessarily, especially when you're dealing with great composers, is that the voice's emotion and the spirit of the music comes through and the meaning, if you will, of the music can shine through. Not all music needs to do that, but some of the best music does. And uh, this metaphor of family, I think we've already extended that to your performing with 
the CYSO as your musical family. Does the inclusion of this piece make the album feel like even more of a homecoming? Oh, yeah, I think so. I think it ties everything together in a way that makes this album especially meaningful for us as a family. Because family, it was really important for us growing up. It's the reason why I think I'm a musician. It's the reason why my brother is a successful musician. And so my family being very close in this, you don't do anything alone in this world. And I think that the coming together of the orchestra with Sadi Record Company and my brother and my parents and Joel and his family and friends and Michael Abels, who it's anyway, it just who incidentally, I think, wrote a piece for my brother and I when we were teenagers that we played many, 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 many years ago. And we remembered when we came together in Chicago for this piece, my parents discovered this. And it just brings all of this together, that this whole family of this musical community in Chicago is so strong that we have traveled all around the world and it brings us back together to this sense of unity, this sense of togetherness. And the pieces themselves and the performances, I think, as you'll hear, bring all of that to a beautiful conclusion, which is this particular album. Now you can hear this family aspect, I think, especially in the second and longest movement of the concerto, which is a lullaby that's interrupted by a toddler's outbursts as she tries to resist sleep. And of course, the toddler in this case is Joel's own daughter. Any thoughts on this movement and the remarkable ways that Joel layers the sounds in it? Yeah, I think he uses the voices of the flute and clarinet in a very intimate way. And the sounds that the orchestra gets are just stunningly beautiful. I do remember in the recording sessions being especially struck by the beauty of this particular movement. In most sessions, you're working so hard that you often don't have time to smell the roses, so to speak, right? Because you're so intensely doing your craft and thinking about what can I do to make this a little bit better? And you're focusing on all these things. But there were so many moments in this particular weekend of playing all the pieces, but especially playing this movement where he does texture. I think this is the movement where he has the orchestra singing in certain passages and a certain passages over the line and it's a really magical moment and at the time we're all tired we're all we've been working really hard we had the live performance like a day before we'd flown in two days before that it's really intense to do these projects and there's a moment of such beauty and innocence and purity with the textures he gets from all of the instruments and the harmonies and the notes that he chooses to present that you can't help but get emotional about it. It's a really emotionally meaningful piece, but especially in that moment. You don't know what's happening, but you can hear that there's another voice there. It's just stunning. Now, the third movement comes directly out of the second and transitions from that lullaby theme that the second movement introduces into the beautiful arpeggios that pick up speed and provide opportunities for you and Damari to show off your virtuosity. What was that one like to play? Oh, this piece is super challenging. 
And he writes all of these wild arpeggios that are just going all over the instrument. So it's really, really challenging. All of these living composers do this. They like make these beautiful soaring melodies that sound simple and then they throw out a hundred notes within one beat kind of lines. <laughs> so that's really, 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 really difficult. But we do the best we can and just imagine you're kind of strumming your hands over the strings of a guitar or like going up and down a harp with your fingers and you just go with it. It's about the effect of the sound more than anything else. So it actually adds for a really cool sound on the recording, but definitely not easy. And this stuff is really hard. <laughs> well, I've saved the discussion of the first movement for last because that's what the one we're going to play. And it's also, I would say, the most unusual as it's a musical depiction of a roller coaster. The roller coaster, one of the world's largest wooden roller coasters, is called the Great American Scream Machine. And you can definitely hear the rushing of the cars and the screams in the piece. Is it as fun to play as it is for us to hear? Yes. Yes, it is. Besides it being uh, fiendishly difficult to play. Thanks, Joel. (laughs) It is really fun to play because there's like a rock music feel to it. But it's also visual because of the whole roller coaster thing. So I'm screaming up in the high, super high register of the clarinet, like the register that the clarinet never plays in, basically. And my brother as well is hitting notes that people don't hit on the flute. And so you have this energy, this you can feel the thrill of the adrenaline going down this roller coaster, the scream machine, and it travels. This piece also has a lot of motion, this movement is ferocious in its speed and its character and its size. It's very large orchestration. Both of these pieces have very large orchestrations against the flute and the clarinet. These are big scores for big orchestras, and the Chicago Youth Symphony Orchestra sounds amazing playing it. So there's this battle against the soloist versus the orchestra. So there's that balance issue, but it also makes for a lot of excitement, and it's kind of like a courageous feeling a courageous piece that you have to just kind of like jump in just like when you get into the cart on the great american scream machine you know there's always that bit of nerves but you're like okay i'm gonna do this you're gonna get locked and loaded and go down this thing and the build up before the drop is always the exciting part so there's a lot of that in this piece it is fun to play Well, since you mentioned balances, I want to do a shout-out to Sadie Records' wonderful engineer, Bill Malone, who was nominated for a Grammy for an album, actually for a clarinet concerto he recorded last year along with engineer Mary Mazurik. That one by a Chicago composer, Jim Stevenson, who was performed by clarinetist John Broussier, 40-year veteran of the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, with the Lake Forest Symphony in that case. And the art of balancing in a concerto on recording to get just the right balance between the soloists and the orchestra so they both have the right amount of presence and so that things can be traded in between and the soloists can be heard above the orchestra, but at the same time you don't lose any effect of the orchestral tutties. It's a tricky thing, and I think Bill really did a masterful job here as well as on that previous album. Certainly. The sound that he gets, I think, built it. Two of the recordings, at least, maybe all, the recordings I've done with Sadie, 
it sounded amazing and it's not easy just as you mentioned with the balance i thank you guys for <laughs> making it sound good and the orchestra sounds great it's really exciting this is a really exciting project well and as we mentioned that first movement of the joel puckett concerto duo as it's called is very exciting so let's hear that movement now with anthony and damari mcgill and the chicago youth symphony orchestra one more time alan tinkham conducting
American Scream Machine. That's the title of the movement you just heard, the first movement of Joel Puckett's concerto duo written specially for Damari and Anthony McGill, flute and clarinet, and the Chicago Youth Symphony Orchestra, in this case conducted by Alan Tinkham and commissioned by the Chicago Youth Symphony Orchestra. And it's one of two commissions on the new Sadie Records album titled Winged Creatures after the other commissioned brand new work by composer Michael Abels. And Anthony McGill is my guest on this podcast. Anthony, now that we've heard portions of each piece on the album, what would you like people to take away from the full listening experience when they hear the whole album? I think I'd love for people to take away this feeling of intimacy and energy and positivity and this concept of family and coming home because there's so much of that as we discussed today in this album in the spirit of it is something that is just greater than one individual this is all of us coming together on it on all different levels for the album kind of returning to one another returning to old friends and new old family ties and building new relationships and you can hear that throughout this album it's a very special thing that we don't take for granted that we get to do this together especially my brother and I with the orchestra and my first orchestral experience was playing in an orchestra with my brother as a 12 year old kid in this orchestra that you hear sounding like a pro orchestra on this album that and all of the great composers on it and old and new and coming together for this musical journey is really special. So I hope everyone really enjoys it because I really have enjoyed listening to it already. And this album, Winged Creatures and Other Works for Flute, Clarinet, and Orchestra with Damari and Anthony McGill and the Chicago Youth Symphony can be found on sadierecords.org, C-E-D-I-L-L-E records.org, as well as Our other recording with the McGill Brothers, Portraits, works for flute, clarinet, and piano, which is their trio with pianist Michael McHale, and Anthony's even earlier album on CD Records with the Pacifica Quartet, the Brahms and Mozart Clarinet Quintets. Those are all available on CD Records, and anywhere else albums are sold, streamed, downloaded, you name it, you can find it. So I hope you will. Now, Anthony, I should ask going forward, What are some of the highlights coming up for you and your brother, both together, if you have any engagements together, as well as separately? Yes, I think one exciting thing this summer coming up at Grant Park in Chicago, my brother and I will be playing a few of these pieces from the album, the new album, with the Grant Park Symphony Orchestra. So that'll be really amazing. I'm sure we'll have CDs for sale there of the new album, which is going to be super exciting. If you happen to be in Chicago, you'll get to hear us perform it live. And that, if I recall correctly, that's the Tarantel and the Joel Puckett on that program. Is that right? Yes, exactly. And so that should be a really, really exciting concert. And so I hope everyone gets to come out for that. And actually from the last album, our trio will be touring around and doing some performances, mainly on the East Coast, but some in the Midwest, December and then the spring of 2020 as well. So we're still going to be performing a lot of these works from these projects coming up soon. And those Grand Park Orchestra concerts are in the last weekend of July, I believe. Yes. 
Finally, I always like to ask this question to the artists on Sadie's Chicago Classical Podcast. What makes the Chicago music scene special for you? The Chicago musical scene is, is amazing because it's bigger than the sum of its parts. And when you grow up in it, it feels like everyone knows each other. It's like a small town, right? But it's so world-class and internationally known and recognized that everything you do in the city, that all the people that support the arts in Chicago are so important. And there aren't very many cities that could have a CD record company that can do all of the projects and can support all of the musicians and composers that they do without a city and a musical community like Chicago. So it'll always be where I got my start. It'll always be my home. It just makes me so proud to be from there because there are so many great things, musical things, musical projects coming out of that city. And it's just really wonderful to be a part of it still. And we're really proud to be able to say that you made your professional recording debut on CD Records with that Brahms and Mozart album with the Pacifica Quartet. Thank you so much, Anthony. I'm so excited about this new recording. It really is tremendous repertoire and a terrific homecoming story, really family story, as you've mentioned. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you.